Hey, everybody. Welcome inside the Paragon Podcast. This is Doug Mitchell. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Uh, we have another amazing guest inside our Des Moines studio, our podcasting studio. Today, we have Adam Carroll. Thank you for coming by, Adam. Hey, Doug. It's a pleasure. Nice to be here. Uh, thank you. And we didn't have to fight snow and all that good stuff. It's still in the ground, but you didn't have to, you know, brave it to come down. That's so. true. You know, anytime the vehicle... Uh, thermometer reads mm-hmm. negative. Yeah. I just feel like that's a slap in the face kind of, you know, like why does that even register negative degrees? Right, right. Exactly. It should, it should actually display some other kind of message that is brightening your day right. versus your hose. Right. Right. Yeah. Or like, Hey, it's 67 in Phoenix or something <laughs> to that effect, you know? Oh man, that's funny. Uh, I'm so excited to have Adam in here. He's, he's an amazing guy in general. I've heard him speak at a hundred different places. He's in incredibly passionate about financial literacy, uh, culture inside of organizations. And he's also just a tad famous because he produced an amazing movie that you have to go see uh, in, I don't know, I know it's online, et cetera, and you can tell us more about where to find it, but it's called Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. It's about the college debt crisis. So why don't you, if you can give us a little snapshot of all the things that you've got going, a little bio, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Get get our guests acquainted with you. Absolutely. Well, I have two loves, as you mentioned, my two loves are financial literacy, which goes way back to when I graduated from college and was a debt statistic. And then uh, (laughs) within two years had paid off all my debt. Uh, We had, my wife and I, you know, were living on one income and blasting away debt with the other income. And within two years we had taking care of about $50,000 in high interest debt. Nice. And at that point we realized kind of what financial security or contentment looked like. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go teach other people about that. So I've spent the better part of 15 years speaking on college campuses and associations and various trade groups talking about how to build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Mm. And that's what it's all about for me is helping people do that. My second love is really culture within companies. And that was kind of a natural byproduct of how I grew up. My dad was a, an organizational development consultant, finished his career at UC Berkeley. Um, he was the director of global people practices at Franklin Templeton Mutual Fund. So wow. he, yeah. he oversaw all of the people strategy for that group. Mm-hmm. And our, our dinner conversation growing up was around Peter Senge's The Fifth Discipline and <laughs> Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You know? so, so some people might say, wow, what an amazing upbringing, or wow, that sounds like you were your, your dad was sort of setting up his own company within your family, totally. your organizational development. We didn't know? even know. He would just share these principles and philosophies, yeah. and we're like, oh, that's interesting. Kind of boring. <laughs> Chat at dinner. Did you have a personal development plan and an annual review at home? Or well, what? we didn't. You would think so, right? He was great at coaching, though. I will say that. My dad is, he's an amazing coach. He asks really profound questions Mm. and he doesn't necessarily have the answers to those questions. He knows that you do. And so as he asks those questions, it's like you, you have your own revelation, which I think is the key to building great leadership within a company is, you know, uh, exercise coaching. Yeah. How, how, how good of a coach are you and your people? 
yeah. to your to your team. So well, the apple didn't fall too far <clears throat> from the tree with you. So well, thank you. Yes, you're uh, you you are an excellent coach. I know that. So uh, tell us a little bit more then uh, about this concept of of shared ownership and and what that means to organizations, individuals, etc. Yeah. Well, um, so I have to go back in time a little bit, Doug, and tell a story to set this up because I I was not familiar with this this theme, this theory until it was introduced to me by my father. So here's how it all played out. My son, uh, was probably about two years ago for his ninth birthday, mm-hmm. we were planning on taking him to the Iowa Wolves, the, the D league basketball team here okay. in Des Moines. So he and a group of friends were going to go to this game. <clears throat> and as he and my, my wife were talking about it in the car on the way home, he said, this is going to be awesome we're going to eat pizza and candy and drink pop and have popcorn. And my wife is a very frugal woman. And she said, "Uh, no, 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 we are having pizza at home Uh and cake. And then we'll go to the game and we're not going to have snacks at the game. Right. At at incredibly high prices and lots of margin for them. Yes. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And she said on top of that, Davis, my son's name on top of that, Davis, uh, the tickets alone for this game were $140 for Mm -hmm. your, you -hmm. and your seven or six friends. So he comes in the house, slams the door, storms upstairs to his room, slams his bedroom door, and is in there sulking. And I'm in my office, and I heard the door slam, and I came out, and I said, what's what's going on? Yeah. <clears throat> my wife says, well, your son's not very happy about the fact that he's not going to get all of these goodies mm-hmm. at the basketball game. And so about that time, my dad calls, and, and uh, uh, he's asking, are the kids around? Can I talk to anybody? And I said, well... Davis is the only one here right now, but he's sort of sequestered himself in the room. <laughs> I don't think he's going to come out. And he said, what's going on? And I told him the whole story about how he had stormed inside and what he was upset about. Mm-hmm. And my dad's just paused for a moment as he's prone to do. Right. He said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, did Davis have any information about uh, a budget or about, uh, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, the, the deciding factors, yeah, the criteria for that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I said, no, no, he wasn't aware there was a budget for the birthday party, uh, nor was I. So, uh, <laughs> he said, so did he have any decision-making ability in terms of how many kids would come or wh- whether or not they would eat at the game or not? Did, did he have any of those kinds of things? Uh, did he have a say? And I said, no, he didn't. So, he goes, okay, so no no information, no decision-making, mm-hmm. um, but it sounds like he's dealing with the consequences of having no information and no decision-making. Is that mm. accurate? And I, I was like, yes, <laughs> Unfortunately, father. Unfortunately, <laughs> yes, daddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, Yoda, that is, that is true. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, I'm working on this theory at Berkeley because we have a lot of siloed groups Mm-hmm. And one group will make a decision and then the other group is facing the consequences of those decisions mm-hmm. without having any information or any say. And they're upset about it, rightly so. And the first group doesn't understand why that second group is so upset about it. Mm-hmm. And he said, so we're developing this theory, this framework called shared ownership. And shared ownership requires information, decision making and consequences. Mm-hmm. And so before we're done with this interview, Doug, I want you to circle back. It'll be a good tie-in okay. to the close. Okay. But I'm going to tell you how I resolved it with my son at okay. the end of the show. We want to keep people listening. Awesome. So this whole idea of information, decision-making, and consequences, those three ingredients are key if you are going to have really effective leadership and have everyone bought in to the leadership. Okay. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty powerful because that that by I mean that's that's how you gain traction. That's how people come along with your vision. That's how they, you know, start to execute and and <clears throat> empower themselves to you know to drive forward and, and take initiative. Yeah, that investment, that feeling. Yeah. Yep. Setting yep. expectations <clears throat> is difficult um, to do well. Uh, unfortunately, it seems very difficult to do well. I'm sure we all experience that in our day to day lives, but yeah, that's powerful stuff. It is there. I, there's this saying that I love to go back to when I'm with groups and it is uncommunicated expectations are just pre-planned resentments. Mm. So yeah. imagine hiring someone and you say, well, have at it. Here you go, Doug, here's your computer. And, uh, you know, away we go. Right. Right. And, and we assume as managers or leaders that we have communicated what we expect of that person or, or, at the very least, we've given them a job description. Mm-hmm. And so we go, well, clearly, you know what, what you need to do. It's in your job description. Right. And, <laughs> and then we have that other duties as a sign, you know, box. Yeah. But that's never really assigned, no. you know, nor is it clarified what the expectations of that are. And so when someone doesn't do what you've uh, clearly expected of them but not communicated to mm-hmm. them, you know, there is no shared ownership. Ultimately, yeah. what's yeah. happening is you're suffering the consequence of not giving them information. They've made decisions that you suffer the consequences from. They're suffering the consequences of you not sharing the expectation on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of a vicious circle. And I maintain that there is a big difference in today's day and age between management and leadership. Mm-hmm. And so for listeners, if you imagine a spectrum on the left side of the spectrum is management and on the right side of the spectrum is leadership. Managers, ultimately what they, a manager is trying to impact behavior and attitude. Um, Managers say things like, hey, the day starts at 8.30, not at, or at eight, not at 8.30. Right, right. Um, We really need you to be on time for these meetings because it's it's causing everyone else to get held up when you're late to these Mm -hmm. meetings. That's management. Mm -hmm. Leadership is when you start talking about outcomes and impact. And so a leader would would tell someone who might be late, um, hey, when you show up, show up later than everyone else does to this meetings, there is an impact to the company, to the overall morale of everyone else. Mm -hmm. What can you what do you imagine that impact is? Yeah. And they start coming up with their own ideas of what that impact might be. And now we we've shared some information. We go, okay, so so there's some decisions to make. You can come in on time or early would be even better for these mm-hmm. meetings. Um, or you can continue coming in late. But the consequences of that are this. Come in early and the meetings go on on time and everybody feels supported and part of the team and so on and so forth. Come in late and the consequence could be you're going to start losing credibility with the team. Yeah. Um, yeah, You won't be considered for a promotion. In six months when we do a wage review, more than likely you're not going to get the kind of raise that you're looking for. Those are the consequences of the actions so far. Mm-hmm. So the that is an impact statement. And the outcomes are things like, we know you're a brilliant person and we want you to be at these meetings because we think you have such great stuff to share. Yeah. So the outcome of you being in there is that we have better meetings. Mm-hmm. That's why we want you there early. And yeah. that's a way more positive thing than, hey, you're late. I right. need you here 30 minutes or, you know, right. earlier. Right. One comes from that comes from just a pure position of title authority. 
it doesn't right. really resonate with the heart or the, nor the mind in in many ways. Right. 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 Yeah. And and you touched on something there. If you are managing, and you are trying to, uh, you know, change the behavior or change the attitude of someone, mm-hmm. you really have their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's this sign in Kansas City at a restaurant that I love. It says, "We pay minimum wage for any work done from the neck down." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not using your head, we're not going to pay you more than that. But if you're managing people generally, you're, you have their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get results if you have their head if their head's in the game and they're doing good work you can get good you can get results but if we're talking leadership on the opposite end of that spectrum Mm -hmm. what you really have is their heart and i think that is the challenge and the crux of leadership today is that we need to really engage people at the heart level to get them to love what they're doing to love the team to love the outcomes and the impact that we're trying to make Mm -hmm. and if we're talking about that in regular terms you'll have a team that's really committed to whatever your cause is. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about, I mean, you've, you've drawn a, a distinction between managing and leading. Uh, there are some that might say, well, you know, I do both of those. Or when I deliver feedback, it's, you know, you coming in late is not a good thing and here's why and the outcomes, et cetera. So, do you think that those are, I mean, I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but when, when they blend together, is that when the ultimate sort of leader rises to the top and, and you know, you know what I mean? They don't, I do. Yeah, I do. To a certain extent, you're going to have some management, particularly in, you know, project management type roles. There's mm-hmm. management of the, the, the activity okay. of getting mm-hmm. it done. I think that's, that's important, but someone that has elevated themselves to that leadership role, mm-hmm. they're talking to their teams about here's the deadline for this. And this goes to the information piece, Okay. right? So um, I want to give you some information. The client has reached out to us. They've told us these are the deadlines they have. They're hard and fast because they have all these other things lined up behind our project. Mm -hmm. So we have some decisions to make. We have multiple projects in the queue right now. This one has just gotten bumped to the top of the list. The consequence of us not doing this are we start to to really frustrate the, this client of ours who spends millions of dollars with us? Yeah, and that's not a good thing. They the, they escalate it, and it's a yeah, it's right? lots of drama. Yeah. So we have sort of this is our impact statement of of the consequence of us not doing that could be dire to our group, to the positions here, to our jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So from a leadership position, someone who does this well, here's the information, here's the decisions we need to make, here's the consequences of such. How can we deliver on this together as a team? Again, we're talking about outcome and impact. We're not talking about behavior and attitude. Yeah. And so they do commingle, but I think it's all we should always tend towards the leadership side of things mm-hmm. and make sure that everyone is well informed of what's going on in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think far too often in, in organizations all around the world, we believe that we've told people. I mean, it's oh, like yeah. having a kickoff meeting in oh. January. <laughs> right. And by March, people are like, what was that? What What did we talk about in that meeting? Yeah. What was the goal? And sometimes even in January, like end of January, you have it in the beginning of January, end of January, no one knows what the direction is. Yeah. So I think yeah. a great leader not only goes back to the, to the, to the troops and the team over and over again and shares what the unique, what the vision is, mm-hmm. they're always redirecting to the end goal constantly reminding, but sharing that information, decision-making consequences of not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. It would be kind of like, uh, Hey, 
I know we just drafted you, you bunch of uh, new new recruits to the team. Welcome aboard. We'll have a big shindig and get you, you know, here's our philosophy. And then next month, we'll start playing games. Yeah. <laughs> no practice. No, right. No strategy. What are those three things that I said are, are most important and that we're going to focus on this year? I have no idea. We just show up and play. And then we, yeah. we do, why do we expect anything less than confusing outcomes that don't exactly match unstated expectations? It's exactly right. It's mm-hmm. exactly right. And, and to, to think that we can layer in skills to our team and that, we we've taught it to them. Okay, they've got it. It's it's kind of my my theory is one off training doesn't work. Yeah, I'm with you. It's great for motivating and you know getting people fired up in the moment, but in the end, it is the continuous repetitive going back to the table and and re- reviewing it, previewing the next material, layering in a skill, and then this is the key. There is this model called the cycle of continuous improvement, and basically it says that for someone to change their their behavior or their mindset or their activity, they have to answer yes to four questions. Just a brief break here to mention the organization that makes this podcast possible, and that's Paragon IT Professionals. Paragon's IT leadership forums boast more than 300 alumni now and have raised more than $100,000 in scholarship funding to help drive STEM education forward. For more information on IT leadership forums in Iowa or Minnesota, please visit paragonitpros.com. Do I need to change? Do I want to change? Can I change and will I change? Mm. And if they answer yes to those four questions, then we can layer in a skill. But someone who doesn't think they need to change, doesn't want to, doesn't think they can or just flat out won't, it's kind of futile to even put them in a classroom Mm -hmm. because they're not... They're probably a fixed mindset person, not a growth mindset. They're not going to change their behavior. Yeah. Once they've answered yes to those four questions, now we layer in a skill. We train them. We teach them. We we go through uh, a routine or a practice session. And then this is key. The very next step is there must be practice with coaching. So as an example for leaders, when I do work within organizations and we talk about leadership and, and, and as an example, just from what you mentioned earlier, setting expectations. Mm -hmm. I would layer in this skill of here's how we effectively set expectations for our team. And, and, and everyone would nod their head and they'd go, okay, cool. Got it. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And then they leave and they leave with something I call shelf esteem. It's, it's this idea that (laughs) I learned it. I put it on the shelf and I can point to it. I learned that once. It's right over there. Yeah. I've got the certificate. Of course I know it. It's on the wall. Yeah. I mean, I'm certified (laughs) in it. Yeah. And yet they don't use it. So to use it, they actually have to practice it and then they have to be coached. So the next step in that process, that evolution is I teach you how to effectively set expectations. And then I would say, Doug, demonstrate for me how you might set an expectation for me on the next podcast. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. would give me that expectation. And I would say, that was really good. What, what felt good to you about it? And yeah, you'd say, yeah. and I go, what do you think needed work? And you would say, oh, I don't think I was very strong in the last piece or whatever. And I'd say, so some coaching on my part, I think you could do it in this order. And I would save this piece for the last Mm -hmm. statement. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I thought you did a really effective job. So when can you leverage that skill with an employee of yours next? Yeah. And then let's talk about it after you do that and go, how did it go? What was their response to it? Do you think they understood what their expectations were? Have Mm -hmm. they delivered on those expectations? So it's practice with coaching. 
-hmm. and you do that again and again and again, and eventually it becomes habit. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to, within organizations, is to create leadership habits that are practiced over time and they're coached to, to perfection, and then they become habitual, and then we layer in a new skill. And then that cycle of continuous improvement just keeps going, looping yeah. back on itself. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I, you know, I've got to, to kind of uh, wrap this topic. I've got an interesting, I think, an interesting question for you or perspective to get from you. As society, how do I, how do I phrase this and not offend the certain generations? As, as we become less comfortable with face-to-face communication, in mm-hmm. my opinion, Yep. Um, as more things are done uh, remotely or, or um, you know, over text or over email and, and that, how, you know, we used to, we used to have apprentice programs. And I know yes. there's, a, there's obviously there's big push in certain areas to get really skilled trade things going again. And I, and I think that that's not necessarily, that, that is the, the program, the uh, apprenticing type relationship is about coaching, making mistakes, right. coaching in the moment for an extended period of time. I mean, right. apprentice programs many times are years and years and years long. Yep. Um, so how, how are we able to cope with the fact that sometimes folks are saying, you know, in organizations, you know, call my parents about the feedback or, or whatever, you know, and they don't right. want it. Or you've heard this ghosting, you know, I don't work here anymore. I'm done or, or just not coming. I don't, you know, how do we address that today knowing where we're headed? Because the generations that perhaps were used to much more of that, a face-to-face collaboration because we had to maybe, yeah, um, yeah. there we're not doing that anymore. And uh, the younger generations are taking the, the leadership or management roles. Yep. How do we deal with that? You know, it's a really, really important question. Um, I don't know that I know the exact answer. Uh, and as you were talking about this, Doug, what I'm, what was going through my mind was a scene from the Goldbergs. Have you watched the show? <laughs> I've seen I've seen an episode or two. It's hilarious, but yes, come on, please. The, the father is just a hilarious character. Yeah, you know, because in the '80s, times were different, and yeah. and we were a little more direct, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't remember the the husband's name, uh, but Mr. Goldberg. You know, he's constantly saying to his kids, "You're a moron. You're a putz." <laughs> yeah. I think if if parents were saying that to their kids today like DHS is called on, on right, you because right. we kids just don't hear that from their parents anymore. Yeah. And I think that idea of very direct feedback is super important. The candidly, the, the people coming up through the ranks today that can't take direct feedback mm-hmm. won't make it. I don't want to say they won't make it, but they won't make it in an organization that prides itself on being, yeah. uh, you know, uh, being very open and direct and, and candid yeah. in feedback. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I, we are working with with our kids mm-hmm. is the ability to a take feedback and the ability to be very direct in communication. As in, I didn't like when this happened, and here's why, and and then being open for whatever feedback comes because that's the, now it's an open channel. Like I can tell you what was mm-hmm. at issue for me, you can tell me what was at issue for you, and now we can try and see see it from each other's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening in most companies is, like you mentioned, the ghosting is someone who's, who they can't handle the feedback that's given. And so they're going to go somewhere where someone's nice to them. Yeah. And yeah. unfortunately, in some of those organizations where people are just nice to each other, 
it's not productive. Nothing right. ever happens. Right. It, it's very comfortable, but there's low low challenge. Right. Yeah. Right. Fascinating. Yeah, I think it's a it's an issue that every organization is confronting, and they're doing it in different different ways. They're coming up with you know programs and ways to engage, and there's all there's talk about much talk about culture as this sort of ethereal thing that yeah we have to create the right culture to keep those folks engaged in that style of communication whatever or non-community whatever it might be yep. engaged and, and uh growing along with our organization and, and i think there's still just tremendous confusion totally because without that direct ability that feedback to give the, the that transparency yep yeah you you just end up fooling each other into like you said sort of being we're happy and we're nice but we're not maximizing our potential i'm yep. not maximizing your potential as my team member yep. and i'm not probably growing as a leader right yeah and, and you know a suggestion for organizations that are listening is there is a solution to this but it's it really relies on preparation and making sure that the entire organization knows how to handle a difficult conversation yeah. The entire organization knows how to uh, give effective feedback. Mm -hmm. You know, those kinds of things are really important. And so I would love to see, you know, the big shiny buildings down here downtown. Yeah. All of them begin to create almost like an employee university. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing is as soon as they bring someone in and, and maybe every month or every quarter, they're brought in to layer in another skill. Mm -hmm. And the skill this month is going to be um, setting expectations effectively. Right. And so we're going to teach you how to do that so that in every meeting, this is what happens. Um, we use a, a document uh, and it's called the difficult conversation framework. Mm -hmm. and, and effectively what it is, is uh, about 10 different items that you plan out. And when you're about to have a difficult conversation with someone, you do maybe two to five minutes of preparation. Mm -hmm. And then when you sit down with someone, you go, Hey, Doug, I just wanted to talk to you about this particular issue. Mm -hmm. um, here's the rationale behind it. Here's the goal that I want for this discussion. Um, this is my point of view. I'm curious to hear yours. Do, what do you think is different in the mm -hmm. two of those? What can be a, an outcome that we can both live with and feel good about? Yeah, yeah. And, and at the end of this, it's like we dealt with it logically. We dealt with it non-emotionally. You, you know my standpoint. I know your standpoint. We were both heard. Those don't take long. It takes about ten minutes to have a conversation like that. Yeah, but those conversations aren't happening ha aren't happening today because people don't know a how to have them, how to prepare for them, or or c they're just not comfortable with that level yeah. of directness. Yeah. So so if I if I hand you the a book about crucial conversations and then we do a training class, you're saying that's not enough. It's not enough. <laughs> I know I'm teasing. Yeah. That's very common, right? Is here, learn about that and, and just read that book and we should be, we should be good to go. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Clearly. Cause yeah. you know, everyone reads a book and then becomes an expert on the of topic. Course. That's why there's, you know, that's why there's so many books out there every <laughs> yeah. year in the business categories, right? Because right. we have all figured it out or not. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's a good one. So I want to, I, I have to come back and get the, the outcome of the coaching conversation and everything with the kids. Because, I love it. Yeah, let's tie it up. So I said, well, what do you recommend? And my dad said, well, if it's that important to him that he gets snacks and such at the game, are you willing to make some deal with him? And I said, yeah, I, I could probably do that. So I went into the room, into Davis's room, and I sat down next to him. I said, hey, bud, I understand you're a little frustrated. 
He goes, yeah, we're not going to get any snacks at all. And I said, it was kind of unfair for us to make some of those decisions without you. So I want to lay this out. Um, You know, our budget, let's say, is going to be around $175. Mm -hmm. Um, Given that we spent $140 on tickets, we're going to spend probably $30 on or 35 on pizza and cake. I said, here's what I'd be willing to do. I'll chip in $20 if you chip in $20 and we can buy some snacks for your buddies at mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. And he thought about it for a second. He goes, nah, they'll be fine without snacks. <laughs> <laughs> when you laid it on the line, he just he just uh, dumped those that friend idea with the snacks. That's, That's hilarious. It. That's oh it. Oh, my gosh. Because I said, uh, uh-huh. here's the information. It's uh-huh. Here's our budget. Here's the, here's the decisions we have to make. You can chip in. I can chip in. Your buddies will have snacks. The oh, consequence is you're out 20 bucks. Yeah. He was he was okay not to do it. Now, what we did do, and, and I suggested, I said, here's the thing. We could still take my $20 and go to Walgreens and get some movie yeah. theater candy. Yeah. And we'll just take that with us. Yeah. And he was okay with that. So uh-huh. we did. We had we had uh-huh. little snack bags, and the, the guys yeah. had a great time, and all yeah. was well. Yeah. It wasn't, so, it wasn't a topic of conversation. We just had some, some snacks. That's exactly good. it. That's exactly. So to wrap up this idea of shared ownership, um, it works at home. Mm-hmm. It works with spouses. It works with kids. It works with employees at work. It works with bosses at work. Um, this, this is something it works at rental car facilities when they don't have a vehicle, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've used this logic with people when I'm out in public and go, give me the information. Okay. We have some decisions to make. Here's the consequence of me setting a reservation and not getting a car. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and amazingly cars materialize. They appear, don't they? So shared ownership is this really powerful concept that if used appropriately correctly, it can make a massive shift in, in a business in a family household, et cetera, from management to leadership. Yeah. So, so uh, the last, the last question I think I'm going to ask you is then, are, are you coaching individual families or for hire? <laughs> Can we send you into the di- dining room table and, and have that? Or I suppose you're doing it more so with companies and organizations. But anyway, maybe you need to come over and have a chat at our house. Yes. I, I think so. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm not funny. doing the individual coaching level at the house yet. Um, <laughs> but, but this whole idea of shared ownership is going to be a component of a book I'm writing uh, called Mastery of Money for Parents. Mm. And really the whole idea around money and making decisions and all of that, it goes to shared ownership. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to really illustrate the concept in the book, which will be out sometime this year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell us, first of all, as we wrap here, tell us the titles of the other books that you've written in case somebody wants to pick them up. You bet. So I have uh, Winning the Money Game, okay. which is a book that's really geared for about eighth through 12th grade. I have a book called The Money Savvy Student, which is really geared for uh seniors in high school on through college and beyond. Mm -hmm. And then I have a book called 30 days to one K, which is all about how do you set aside a thousand dollar emergency fund in 30 days. Mm. And I teach you how to do that. My latest book, uh, that's coming out probably this spring, uh, is called the build a bigger life manifesto. Mm. And it's really all about the nine core tenets of how to build a bigger life. And, um, and you can find all of those books and more at my website, which is Adam Carroll with two R's and two L's, adamcarroll.info. Okay. So want any info on me, adamcarroll.info. Perfect. And the movie, if somebody wants to see Broke, Busted, and Disgusted today, where would they go? They would go to iTunes, to Google Play, to Amazon. So if you have an Amazon Fire Stick or, mm-hmm. or uh, a Roku box, 
you can go in there and search broke, busted, and disgusted, and it's available awesome. uh, online. Awesome. Well, it, it has been, as usual, when we have conversations, totally enlightening and thoroughly entertaining. I appreciate you coming down here. Um, again, you're welcome anytime. Thank if you, you Doug. Want, if you just want to have a conversation about what happened around the dinner table last night, I think I'm okay with that because it's going to be good. We could tell some stories, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Thanks for the time. It's been my pleasure. So thank you all for listening to the Paragon podcast, the latest edition of that. We encourage you to subscribe, uh, give us a review if you feel so compelled, listen to episodes and share with your friends, uh, share with your other leaders, your teams, uh, your executives, because we think we're making a big impact in our not only in our industry of uh, staff augmentation uh, and software analytics solutions, we, we think we're making an impact well beyond that. And that's why we bring this to you. So thank you for your listenership and have a fantastic day.